This, 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 this is mythical. Before we get started, we just wanted to give a shout out and a plug to our musical comedy hero, Weird Al Yankovic. And we wanna let you know that he has released all of his performances from his tour that you can listen to on Stitcher Premium. It's pretty amazing. Yes, so there are 77 performances on this tour and every single show is unique, has a different set list, they've all been professionally mixed and mastered, and they all have Al's impromptu stage banter. You know about that impromptu stage banter. So they're all unique and they're all available uh, if you sign up for Stitcher Premium. You can listen to all of them. And this is for the first time he played his original songs. It's not just all the covers. There's actually original songs like Buy Me a Condo, Dare to Be Stupid, Jackson Park Express. Mm-hmm. And plenty more. So if you're a fan like we are, you wanna get a free month of Stitcher Premium you can go to stitcherpremium.com slash weirdal and use promo code biscuits. That's stitcherpremium.com slash weirdal and use promo code biscuits. Now on with the biscuit. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we will be exploring the question, are magicians actually cool? Mm-hmm. I think this is an important question. I sure, think that boy it is. And you know, for for many years, I thought I knew the answer. Yeah. And I thought the answer was no. Huh. But are you but today, based on this conversation Spoiler alert, I have new information that has come to light via our shared experience at a place called the Magic Castle. But you don't think and that you and have an answer though. I, I, don't, I don't think I have an answer, but I think I need to talk this out. Yeah. I, because we, it's yeah. not nearly as simple as I thought it would be. We're gonna verbally process that question. Yeah. It is an important one. Um, before we do, I will say that as you're listening to this, uh, it's, you know, we took a three week break, so welcome back to the freshness of a totally new Ear Biscuit, thank you for uh, re-listening to some older ones over the past few weeks, but we are currently, as you're listening to this, if you're listening to it fresh, we're in Australia. We're doing mm. the tour of mythicality yeah. in Australia, and if you're curious what's going on with us, well, you can look on Instagram and and the other places where we're probably posting things. I imagine the future, well, probably the present listening us is sharing our experience. How's that for a teaser? Okay. We are probably posting stuff. But speaking of the tour of mythicality, if you want to experience us live on a stage, you can still do that. November 8th, we're gonna be in Toronto, Ontario. Mm, that's Canada. The Sony Center. Then Friday, November 9th, we're gonna be in Atlantic City, New Jersey at Caesars Atlantic City. Circus Maximus. And then Saturday, November 10th, we're gonna be in, oh goodness, the Foxwood Resort Casino in Connecticut. So go to tourmythicality.com. There are still available uh, tickets for those. They are moving pretty quickly. Uh, but if you wanna, we don't make it to the Northeast very often. This is mm -hmm. probably the only time that the Tour of Mythicality will be coming to that part of the country. Come see us. So. Make it happen, Captain. Uh, and we may we may have a magician there with us. I don't know. It depends. Depends on how this on this conversation goes. goes. Now, um, got a really good friend of ours, Mike, who 
uh, is following in our footsteps of turning 40. Yeah. And so he's like, I gotta do something, I gotta have a good 40th party. And he wanted to do something involving. He wanted to go to the. Uh, like telescope. The telescope. Uh, but then uh, that Mount, was booked up. Mount Wilson. You can have a party inside of a telescope, and it's actually pretty awesome. Much more exciting than that sounded. <laughs> we were really excited because I actually toured these these telescopes with my kids last year, and thought to myself, and they were like, "You can have a birthday party here," and I was like, mm, "I don't even know anything about astronomy." It I'm one of those guys who says astronomy and astrology interchangeably. Okay, that's cool. No, I'm not. But there are you. You know who you are. But it turns out. It it was booked up, so we couldn't make that happen. Yeah. But it also turns out that Mike's second passion, in addition to the far reaches of the galaxy, is the far reaches of uh, supernatural phenomenon in the form of magic. Uh, um, I, I think he may be misrepresenting his, yeah. his perception there. I think he just likes the thrill <laughs> of being fooled. Because he is, uh, very knowledgeable guy about pretty much everything, uh, and he knows the secrets behind lots of magic yeah. tricks. Okay, he's read about them. He's fascinated, but he likes to give himself over to the process of being amazed by magic. And the best opportunity for that to happen in Los Angeles is the Magic Castle. Maybe in the world, I don't know. I think it's a pretty special place, this Los Angeles, because it has a place called the Magic Castle. Now, we have, so, so a whole group of our friends, we went to the Magic Castle to celebrate his 40th birthday. Um, but just to explain what the Magic Castle is, if you don't know, basically in the heart of Hollywood, kind of up on this slope, there's a mansion. It's not a castle. It's a se. mansion, right. I would say. It kind of looks like if you've seen the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. um, now the house was just there, but then at some point it was bought by these people who wanted to turn it into a private magic club. Of course. I guess decades ago. Um, yeah, decades. So in order to get into this place, you have you just can't show up and make, or, and go in, you can't even make reservations like as a restaurant or something. You have to know, know someone who is a member. And a member, as far as I understand it, can be an actual magician or someone who is just really into magic and is willing to pay the dues to hang out there and rub shoulders with the magicians. You don't have to be a magician to be a member? No. I think you either have to be a magician or you it's have to be a very knowledgeable. It's a different type of member. You probably have to like write a paper about magic or something to show your appreciation. This isn't, nobody just gets into this place. Y you can be like an honorary member, I don't know what it's called, but. But we know a member, his name is Joel Ward. He is a magician. Yeah. And he was the magic consultant on season one of Buddy System because Paige Kennedy uh, acted in that uh, as Maxwell, and his character puts on a magic show in one of the episodes. Well, if he's you've a, watched that. He's a horrible showman, but he's a legitimate ma magic maker. Like yeah. I wouldn't even call him a magician. He actually has magical powers. He's a wizard, but he's a wizard. But he can't. He has none of the showmanship required to be an entertaining magician. Which we I think we're going to get into that. We but, thought that was ironic. We thought that would be funny, right? But he had so. 
even though he could do real magic, he could make a, a woman, a, he could particulate a woman out of nothing, like make a person. Yeah. His magic consisted of doing really lame tricks, really uh, underwhelming tricks. But he was actually doing the trick. Even though And that only, was the distinction in his own mind. I still think it like, was funny. Like tying a knot in a rope and then pulling it and the knot disappears. He's like, or like taking two rings and the putting difference them together. between me and other we know magicians, you didn't watch Buddy System season one, so we're explaining it. You should have. The difference <laughs> between him and other magicians was they're doing the same thing. The result is the same. However, he's he's actually, actually doing, doing it. it. Yeah, isn't but, that funny? But in order for him to actually do it in that scene, he had to be taught how to do it. As a trick, as a because he's not actually a wizard; he's an actor. Yeah. So Joel showed up under a tent at Venice Beach because we were shooting another scene there, and Paige met him there. And like under a tent, he taught him how to do some magic tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he and then he was there when we were we were shooting. He was still consulting, but he's like a legit magician. And we had to look him up because he you have to have an in, and so. He put us on the list, so to speak, and then gave us, granted us access into the magic castle. But it's not that simple, because you also gotta have the proper dress code. Oh, I mean, gosh. they send you this long email. They really keep this thing, they, they try to keep it pristine. One of our friends, you know? one of our friends had on pants that were not jeans, they were black dress pants, but they were jean-like. And he actually they called. They had a denim-like quality. He called ahead of time and said, I'm letting you know that I'm wearing black pants that look a little bit like jeans, but they're not jeans. Am I gonna be okay? And the woman said, yes, you'll be okay. Turns out when he showed I didn't up. Know he called ahead of time. Oh, he called ahead of time. Wow. When he showed up, the woman who was not the woman he had spoken to on the phone, who was the woman that looks you up and down to make sure that you are acceptable into the castle. Uh-huh, the sorceress? She said, you can't come in. Oh. And he was like, I called ahead of time and spoke with name that Someone will not else. be spoken here. Uh, eventually he worked it out, everything was okay, he got in, but just, that gives you, I mean, they take this seriously. So we knew we had to dress up. The problem was, we had a meeting. We had a meeting leading right up to, because Mike wanted to get there when it opened and he wanted to stay until it closed, which we were there from <laughs> 5 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. Can you believe okay. that? I've never eight and a half hours. I have never been at any one thing that long. Not even work. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we were the Magic Castle. I'm pretty sure we set a record. Well, I'll tell you right now, I think we set a record for the most fun that you can have at a magic castle. Yeah, well, but we, it was a funny story, because we had to get dressed. We were at a meeting with Stevie. On the, the three of us were at a meeting on the other side of town, on the west side, and then we had to drive through the, the late afternoon traffic to get back to the magic castle, trying to get there for this very specific act that Mike wanted to see at 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we took our suits with us. Yeah, I'm talking suit. Pants, jacket, button-up shirt, tie, deal. dress shoes. The dress shoes is the only thing you can wear. Yeah. Um, but we had to get dressed in transit on the road. Because we were running late. And uh, So Steve, Steve, he's driving. Yeah. 
And I mean, cause I, at one point I thought we were just gonna take a lift or something to get over there. But then we were running so late, it was just like, Stevie, we just need you to take us. We're like running back to the car in the parking lot and like talking her into taking us through the the heart of Hollywood darkness. And I, Sunset I felt more comfortable changing clothes <laughs> in a car with someone I knew than just like a Lyft driver that I've never met. Turns out it's pretty difficult. I mean, I'm not six foot seven. Yeah, for you, but in that front I wasn't seat, a, I was in the back seat. It was it was kind of difficult to change. Like, I mean, I'm no magician, but I was. I thought I could be a contortionist once I started pulling that off. Yeah. Um. Like literally, I was having to pull things off. But neither of us were able to button our pants because. Well, when you're when you're doubled over and you're putting on dress pants, and you know the dress pants that they got us in these days. Oh, they're so they're tight. They're so tight. Yeah. You know, and I think, I just think I'm still growing. Who's they, by the way? Who? The, the fashion mongers. The people we submit ourselves to when we have to get dressed up, yeah. That's who they are. The fashion mongers. Uh, they deal in fashion, they say, well that, I'm like, isn't this too, too tight? Like uh, I feel like if I, if I flex a quad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna burst a seam like Bruce Banner. Well, it's like Nick Kroll bro- broke his uh, busted his seam uh, on a late night show recently, because on Kimmel, I think. Yeah, because the pants are too tight. But it's also very difficult to figure out how long your tie is when you're seated and your pants are untucked. I mean, and your shirt is untucked. Well, when you're doubled over, I think your the the tip of your tie should touch your kneecap. So I had to, <laughs> I had to keep tying my tie and then like. Standing up in in the back of Stevie's <laughs> car just to see where it would hit me. I had to retie my tie four times. Yeah, but we could not. I mean, so she finally gets us there. We we're but a little bit. I'm late. glad we had 50 minutes to get across town because I needed every bit of it just to get ready. And that still didn't involve zipping and buttoning the pants because we both get out of her car and then we're like <laughs> we get buttoning dr- our pants. We get dropped off in front of the Magic Castle. There's like a line of people who have been <laughs> waiting for this moment for their entire life. We get out and just start zip, tucking in and zipping up. It's like these guys are ready. Like an old man. You know how an old man, he'll like, it's just the middle of the day. It's like time to re-tuck my shirt in. And an old man will just unbutton and unzip and then start putting going elbow deep, pushing the shirt tail down. Yeah. And then, you know, it doesn't matter what you see. It it's, all co- it's all covered. Yeah, it's all covered. It's all covered. You can you might see a little boxer's action or something. That's what we were doing. We've now made our way into old age because we are unapologetically zipping and buttoning pants in public. But we, we did make it to the Magic Castle and we were let in because we once we zipped up, tucked in and put the belt on. You go to the. We looked good. And you go to the, the reception area. They look at your pants, make sure there's no denim quality to them. You give them your name or the name. And they say, okay, go over to this bookshelf and say, open sesame to the little owl. And you, you go over there and you whisper, Open sesame, right? That was yeah. a magic word. Yeah. And then the bookcase magically opens. Can we talk about this? Are we gonna get in trouble? Cause you can't, we can't take photos. There's no, so we couldn't take photos. You can't no. take cameras in there. You can take your phones, but you, if you're seen with your phone in picture mode, I don't know if they make you disappear. I don't know how it works, but. I didn't sign anything, I don't think. Yeah. I didn't check any boxes on the internet even. Well, we will talk about things in, uh, 
we'll get specific at times, but when we feel like we're about to cross some line of the magician's code, we'll stop. So we're gonna let you know all about the trip to the Magic Castle and how it is affecting our minds and how we're perceiving magicians these days. And their their coolness. This is not a joke. Or lack thereof. It's serious. Yeah. But first, Ear Biscuits is supported by Mint Mobile. Now the big and big wireless stands for a lot of things. Big contracts, big bills, and big fees. And what big wireless doesn't want you to know is that there's a way to cut down your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month. 15 bucks a month? 15 bucks a month! Introducing Mint Mobile, the game-changing company that's taking everything wrong with big wireless and made it right. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and you can keep your old number along with all your existing contacts. Every plan comes with unlimited talk and text so you can safely annoy your friends and loved ones and if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven day money back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month plus free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card, go to mintmobile.com slash ear. That is mintmobile.com slash ear. Cut your wireless bill down to 15 bucks a month and get free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card at mintmobile.com slash ear. Check it out. Ear Biscuits is also supported by Mattress Firm. And last week, Rhett, you mentioned a concept called Mattress Firm City where all Mattress Firm store locations all 3,000 of them are together, and that's not how it that's works. That's fictitious, that's only in my mind. That's but just I, a dream of mine. I've been thinking about that oh. ever since. You have good thoughts about it? I just, I love the idea of like skyscrapers built out of mattress firm mattresses, and we got news for you. It does exist. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it just, but we do have some deals for you. Yes, if you're struggling to sleep, the fine people at Mattress Firm want to help you. Now, they're mattress experts, but they're not just mattress experts. They wanna help you build your bed from headboards to adjustable bases to sheets. They even have bedroom decor. They got you covered, so go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast, and you can save 10% if you enter in code PODCAST10. Mattress Firm also offers a 120 night sleep trial so you can rest assured that you're gonna love your mattress or your money back and they offer a 120 night low price guarantee so that you know you paid the perfect price. So go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast, enter that code podcast10 and start sleeping better tonight. Okay, Ear Biscuiteer, did you know that every single episode of Ear Biscuits is now on Spotify? Every? Yep. Everyone. Every single one. We're not missing any of them? No, and if you're already listening to your musics on Spotify, why not also listen to your Ear Biscuits there? It's the same app that has millions of songs. It also has got thousands of podcasts. On Spotify, you can listen to all your favorite shows and discover new ones, just not too many because uh, we want you to be listening to Ear Biscuits. To subscribe to Ear Biscuits, search for Ear Biscuits, then tap follow and you get every new episode delivered right to you. Podcast on Spotify, they're streaming right now, and now, and now. Always. Now back to the biscuit. Okay, so. So here we go, we're going into the Magic Castle, we meet up with our friends, I mean, there's like multiple bars, there's multiple levels. Um, you eat dinner there at, at a certain point. We had like a private room because we signed up for the Houdini seance, yeah. which happens in this room. Man, I, I love nothing more, well than potentially magic, we'll get to that. But besides that, going out with a group of my friends and then we, we're seated at a table that's round. Boy, that makes me happy. That's why I stress out about who am I sitting next to and what conversations am I just gonna be on the fringe of and know that they're having a better conversation than me? 
but I can't quite get into and it. And it's not just the roundness of the table. The roundness of the table is important, but you also have to have the private room. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to have a group of twelve people have an open conversation that everyone is a part of, which is what happened. It was beautiful. Oh yeah, a you need a twelve-person round table in a private room. Not always something that can be arranged. There's only a few places in the world that have it. The Magic Castle is one of them. Now, I I will say that this was my, I believe it's my fifth time going to the Magic Castle in the, um. Six years that I've lived in Los Angeles. You, you sure it's not your fourth? I, four, I, I guess four. I, went, I think you've been four. I've been three before. I, I, I've been with. I've been. T- well, I don't know. I've been with you and your parents, mm-hmm. which is fabulous. Yeah. Then I went magical. Then we went with Julian Smith. The yeah. three of us went. Mm-hmm. And hadn't we gone before that too? Maybe it was your fourth, th- fifth time. And then I went back. Christian and I went back with. My dad and his wife, and then I guess the fourth time was the other night. The other night with uh, Mike's party. The first time I went, it was with your parents, and it and there was one magician who we actually devoted an entire episode of Good Mythical Morning. I'm just remembering this to talking about this magician that we saw on the main stage who was this ultra theatrical presentation involving a man in a suit with a whole crap ton of, of doves. doves. Doves, man. He just I've never thought you could make doves. The so truck of doves exciting. just dumped it on us. He had so many doves and they we, were flying out of every orifice. We were enjoying of his suit. him creating doves out of thin air so much that we both had a laugh attack. like. I, there very few times in my life have I enjoyed something so thoroughly that I just began to to laugh you just uncontrollably. Enter a land in euphoria, but you we were laughing because it was there was an element of it that was amazing. That how can he be producing doves to this with again and again and again? But then there was another part of it, us laughing. It was his style at yep. his style. We were laughing. At it him. was we were. It was so. Cheesy. Yeah, unbelievably cheesy. Unbelievably cheesy. I mean, he would like, he would he would snap his head towards us and like wink or like his eyes would get big or his mouth would open for no reason. Like he would just So a kind dove of, could come out. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a woman, there was like a female assistant yeah, and that was. was weird and, but it was just, there was a, it was almost, I would say, a sad desperation to it that made it poignant. Wow, that's harsh. <laughs> I mean, it was, it seems like something, and the music was like sc- sc- scored in the 80s, like 1982, and it had not changed. Yeah, it was old school. Since then. But it, well, it was but it, as but it if, was done so sincerely. He was sincere, he wasn't being ironic. Now. I think there's a few things it we should say. It was not cool. There's a few saying. things we should say. There's nothing cool about it. Just to give you the full picture uh, to expand on what you said earlier. So basically it's a mansion, a very large house that has a number of large rooms that are basically, you can see magicians in different contexts. Everything from if you go up to a bar, a magician may come up and just start interacting with you and do magic for you right there. You can go to these parlors and there'll be like a magician set up and like, 
five to ten people will kind of gather around yeah. and, and and watch them do some magic. But then there there's a close magic room which probably holds fifteen people. So you're really right in there watching it's like a stadium magician. seating, but just fifteen people. There's another room that's stadium seating that has maybe 40 people, 40. 35. And then there's like a theater that's just flat and has like chairs and it's got more of a stage. For doves and whatnot. And that's where Dove Man was. Uh, and, and whenever you go. And it's all scheduled out. You get you can, get a schedule at the beginning of the it night. It can be different magicians, so. And there's also a restaurant, hence I, the big table. So you ha also have a meal if you want. So we had the meal, all the shows, and then the se seance at the end of the night. But I've never seen the same magician there twice in the four times that I've gone. It's because people come through LA and then they do their magic. And they and I'm, I'm under the impression these magicians are are traveling far and wide doing their thing or their things. Turns out there's a lot of different things under the umbrella of magic. Yeah, there is. Um well, I, w I wanted to set, set that stage just for a second just to give people the full picture of what we experienced, but uh -huh. I do think it's important to establish the baseline of how we think about magicians before we start talking about what we experienced. That feels like a, the, the, the best way to do it. Well, I think the Dove Man was. That's, that's a data point, definitely. Another data point before that is just everything on television. I mean, I even heard someone talking about it in our last trip to the Magic Castle, someone was like, man, I just keep thinking about arrested development. And Job was a, was a magician of sorts, and well, not of sorts. He was a magician, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. and he was very, I mean. He is, th the that, show's still on, that, right? that, That's true. The carrot, you know, his, his onstage persona was like very self-serious and dramatic in a similar way to the Dove guy. Like I mean, very sharp looks and sharp movements, and it's it's very easy to parody because it, it, it no self awareness. It's almost a parody of itself. Now, confession, um, I've had this perception about magicians for quite some time that I will enjoy a magic show, especially like a close magician doing something. I like giving myself over to the illusion. And at no point am I tempted to think that actual magic is happening. But I love thinking, man, the, the artistry, the craftsmanship that goes into how many hours were put into getting this trick right so that it looks like magic. Like, I love that. But at the same time, I've always thought, this is not for me. I am separate from this. I am here to observe, but I don't want to cross the line and be the magician because I think less of them, okay? That's the traditional disposition that I've brought to this. In fact, my son was once at Disneyland and there is a magic shop in the Magic Kingdom. Okay. Which makes all kinds of sense. Doesn't it? And he went in there and he was like, Dad, can I get this magic trick? And I said, son, you don't wanna be the kid who does magic. <laughs> and I feel, let me, now let me say, I feel bad about this. You can talk to me about how bad of a parent I am. 
I typically don't do this. That's such a that's I, such a your dad thing to say. I feel, by the way, I feel bad about it, especially based <laughs> on how I think now. Okay, but I didn't. I have a perception. I have carried a perception of magicians, and I didn't want my son to fall into that category. And I thought that maybe if he gets one trick, it's all he needs. And Slippery next thing slope. you know. He's got a magic show with doves at the Magic Castle, You're which I will enjoy. Women in half. I will enjoy, but I don't want to be directly related to. Right? Do you know what I mean? You don't want that in your own house. Yeah, because that's because. <laughs> so you see where I'm coming from. I mean, that's a. I can I confess. That's, I mean, and we wrote a character that we thought it was funny to make. I mean, we've already been through it, but it was you know. We just saw the comedy and like the lack of self awareness that you need in order to fully commit to being a magician. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I've I've shared that sentiment. I mean, you actually introduced me to um, a friend of yours back home who was a was a magician, also named Michael, and he could do some. I mean, the up close magic that he could do was. So impressive. Very impressive. Mind blowing. Yeah. But I mean, my observation is that it, it it's, a, it's a certain personality type that, I mean, I'm not gonna, again, it's like, I, f I feel like <laughs> this is tough, right? I don't wanna be a jerk. We are jerks though. We are jerks okay. by, by, by looking down our nose and saying, I'm cooler than that. So I'm just, I, I we are owning it. Right. You know, it's it's like saying, okay, like a sound man is a certain type of person. Like if you if you work in touring environments enough, you know there's a certain personality profile associated with the person behind the soundboard. Hmm. And I'm gonna use that as an example of just you know, it's 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 not about being cool or not being cool, it's about a certain type of profession is a certain subset of personalities. And I you know, I think that's what a, magicians are like that. You know, Definitely. and I, I think, you know, um, it's kind of akin to like a band kid. You know, like, okay, I play the saxophone. And again, I'm not, I'm, I, I, I applaud band kids. I tried to be one and I failed. Played trumpet in seventh grade. Um, but, but to make it all the way through the orchestra, I think there's certain personality types that excel at that. Okay, what you're talking about is exactly the subject of this article that uh, Feldman pulled up. Uh, this was an Esquire article uh, that mostly talked about the magician Dynamo, who's apparently uh, a really big magician in England. Okay. Um, and uh, Jim Merritt wrote this article back in 2015, so a few years old. A few quotes from this. Cool kids, don't become magicians because it requires being alone in your bedroom for hours and hours practicing magic tricks. Mm -hmm. Now, the name of this article, by the way, is Will Magicians Ever Be Seen as Cool? And it centers around this guy, uh, Dynamo, who is kinda trying to break the mold a little bit, and then it, all, it talks about David Blaine, who is probably the best example of someone trying to be anti-magician. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on to basically say that even David Blaine, who we've actually seen do magic in person, and it close up, me, literally two feet away. Yeah, and it made me shit my pants. 
but he's but the point of the article is that while he is well, not, cool, I mean, not literally, but he is cool. He's not actually cool, is what this guy says. Now let me let me continue with this. There's something irredeemably geeky about the kind of play magicians are involved in, says Lev Grossman, author of fantasy fantasy novel The Magicians. They're engaged in a kind of public childlike make believe. I don't think that could ever be cool, or even that it should be. It's interesting because he, you mentioned geekery, which I mean, geekery has become a has become a lane of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if magicianry is a subset of geekery, did geekery bring it up closer to the surface and all the way into coolness? Well, okay, let me continue. I, there's a couple other points that I want you to consider. He continues, the thing about magicians. But, but uh, j- j- can, I, can I just summarize that other point? So you're telling me that he says that because it's a public, it's, it's play, it's, it's. It's childlike. It's childlike in terms of your suspension of disbelief and, I mean, is it acting? Well. Okay, go ahead. Okay. The thing about magicians which defines them is that they know things we don't, Lev says, which is also true of cool people. They understand things that the rest of us don't and never will. A cool magician is a double negative. We can give magicians everything else, money, fame, and attention, but they can't be cool. You have, you can have magic or you can be cool, but you can't have both. That's his theory. I don't know what to say to that. I mean, it's, so, we're, so it's, we can't give them the power of coolness because then they'll have everything. Well, he goes on to talk about how there is a sense of, I, I think the most compelling part of this is that the thing that draws people to, you, you, you know, you. and again, I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying that our society has deemed certain people cool and typically they deem people who play sports as being cool, which I don't, I don't agree with that. I'm just saying that that is, and I, do, and I do agree with you, that that is changing, right? I mean, the whole geek culture has shifted that somewhat, but traditionally, it's like, okay, if you do things that are social, that, you, that kinda ex- show your dominance in front of people, whereas the skills required to become a magician do involve kinda being alone, spending a lot of time mastering this thing, um, but I think that maybe the, the I'll, I'll, let me, this last thing, I think it's, it's about authenticity. Perhaps that's why magic and cool can never mix. At some base level, we sense that the people who do magic are often seeking something, attention, street cred, power, and there's no quicker way to derail social acceptance than by appearing to want it and want it really, really bad. And above all, there's the elephant in the room that no amount of smoke, mirrors, or branded footwear can conceal. When it comes to cool, the currency is authenticity and nothing magicians do is real. I, I think that that's an interesting theory. I think a much simpler one to also consider is that I think the tricks themselves, if you're if you're really good at it, are mind blowing. Like Joel took us aside, um, our whole group, just impromptu, and he sat down and he started doing card tricks right there in front of us, and they were absolutely amazing. We were we were like screaming. 
You I were like loved it. You were like dancing. You're like doing high knees. I wanted to and run was, away it and was, come back repeatedly. It was it was he just tricked us so hard. And he's a, and he's a very good performer. I think the intersection between the skill to develop a really good illusion or really good tricks or whatever, to, to pull that off and to blow people's minds and also to adopt a demeanor of performance. Uh, those are two totally different skill sets to like be an interpersonal performer, to adopt a character even or the lack of a character in order to draw people in or um, entertain people. It's, it's, a, it's a different skill set than being really good at the trick itself. And so to be good at both of those things, I think is really difficult. They, they may actually be opposed because I think to be really good at magic tricks, there's a level of self-awareness that you might have to chuck out. But then you really have to, like I think a lot of the best actors, I mean, are, are have a lot of neurosis as far as like self-awareness. But I think that's the beautiful thing about it. I, I think the, the uh, my operating thesis at this point in the conversation is that magicians aren't cool and they shouldn't be and it would ruin it if they were and I don't want them to be and when I say cool, I'm using the traditional understanding of what society is being, so I could actually say that they actually are cool if cool means um, awesome. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, because what, what I will say is that they, they if, you try, if you're trying, well, I think this is kind of what the article's gonna, if you're trying really, really hard to be like mm -hmm. relevant, well, it, you can tell you're already doing this magic thing, which is this super attention-getting thing. If you're doing it and you're like wearing these cool clothes or whatever, and you're trying to be like super cool in your approach, it seems too try hard. You just can't. You can't go all the way. It's good. The, the authenticity is is already in question when you're doing something that's you're purposely deceiving people. That's part of your act. You might as well have this caricatured uh, approach to it that shows that. There isn't a self awareness. That's what makes it great. Like we got to talk about Zabrecki. Okay, yeah, I, because, I think we need to talk about you. because here's the thing: we should we should tell that story as a case study in what I believe is the coolest magician that I have ever experienced in a room with me. Yeah. But before I do, I, I will just say that to piggyback on what you're saying, I started to think about stand up comedians because it, I mean, there's some similarities, like. The thing about they have a microphone, they're on a stage, they're basically saying, I want, I want to entertain you. I want, I want you to like what I'm saying and respond to it. It has that, it could have that desperate feel of, please respond to me. And the comedians that seem desperate, the, the comedians that seem like they're doing a routine. It's hard to make that They're the work. ones that don't work. The That's not cool. The comedians that are cool, are the comedians that you just think that it feels like they're just saying this stuff directly from their heart. But that's a certain type of comedian. There's a whole other other group of, there's many different categories of stand-up comedians that don't. Like, don't a, like a joke-based comedian. Don't do the authentic thing, but they do many different things. And I'm not just talking about like something as cheesy as like prop comedy. 
But that, yeah. There, there's many but, different lanes. Hold on, but prop comedy moves into, we're, now we've got a Venn diagram between mm-hmm. magicians and prop comedians, right? And there's crossover in the props. And neither of them are cool. Prop com- Carrot Top is not cool. When he tried to get buff and get cool, it, it got worse. You know what I'm saying? I, I, he should have went further into not being cool, which you made got, him more entertaining. Ex- ex- that's precisely but, what I'm but saying. Here, but I, there's a lot more stand-up comedians who figure out their persona in a way that's like, man, that 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 person is cool. Versus, in my limited experience, I have a theory that there's a much lower percentage of magicians who have succeeded at adopting a, a cool persona than a stand-up comedian. I think it's that much more difficult because of the reasons that you went into from that article. Yeah. Um, but we did experience somebody that I would say on a scale of zero to 100% authentically, like when something's really, when somebody's really cool, you have this sinking feeling that you feel like you don't have it. That's what really makes somebody cool. It really taps into your own insecurities, whatever they may be. I think that's a component of uh, discerned coolness. And I'd experienced that with this guy before he humiliated me in front of everybody. Zabrecki is his name. Uh, and we, we saw him. Mike in- had done research on this guy. Somehow he knew that this guy was good. Yeah. And, and he was yeah. telling us and I was like, I looked at Christy and I rolled my eyes. I was like, no, get your hopes up. I mean, it is in the close up magic room which where the best things happen. Yeah, well, and, and a little little funny aside, something that happened in the uh, in that room is uh, we go into the room, you have to stand in line because there's a lot of demand for different acts. And so we're standing in line for like probably half an hour. 45 course, minutes. We, we were there for eight and a half hours, so that that was, that was a blink of an eye. So we're standing there waiting and uh, and then we, I go, I'm one of the last people to come into the room and I see that there's way more people in the room than there are seats, but I also notice that Jason Sudeikis and uh, Olivia Wilde are sitting in the middle, and this is there's like twelve seats in this room, and then I also see Nathan from Nathan for You. Mm-hmm. They're all in the room. You also saw me, and then Link I see Link from Rhett and Link. Um, Link is standing up, but the real celebrities are seated, <laughs> and uh, one of the guys in our group. Uh, who's the most likely in our group to confront in this way, Ooh. said um, he was upset that we'd been waiting in line and then we walk in there and then they're seated and we don't have a seat. And of course I'm like, that's Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde. It's like, I'm not gonna say anything. Of course I'll stand up, that's fine. I'm not gonna say anything. But you were, you heard him, you, you, were the, you heard him say this. What did he say to them? Um, he didn't say to them. He said it sort of out. Well, as will come into play later, I I I had, I had had some something to drink. I was a bit, I was a little inebriated. It wasn't milk, so I wasn't. Um, I wa- all of my attention was not honed on him at this moment. But I was, uh, my attention was drawn to him when he started in a loud voice saying to whoever in the room would listen that he's not a celebrity and he doesn't have a seat. <laughs> but he was like, I may not be. Famous, but I was waiting. But I in did line. wait for f- half an hour. And at that point, my attention was drawn to him, and I shushed him. <laughs> you were like, "I was like, shush, shush, I don't shush. want Jason Sudeikis oh, and man. Olivia Wilde to know that I'm with you." <laughs> so I shushed him as you would shush a stranger. 
But that blew over pretty quickly and then Zabrecki came out. Yeah, so I'm standing I'm standing there kind of in the back and you were further down that was on the right side. Two, two people in front of you down the right side. Stadium seating. Um, he comes, he parts a curtain, comes and sits down and this guy has like a gaunt face, like a th very, very thin face, like you can see like the outline of his skull and he his cheekbones, high cheekbones. He looks like he would be like the butler for the Adams family. Deep set eyes, tuxedo, piercing gaze. He sits down, doesn't say anything and just looks around the room and he had this like AI quality to him, it like an automaton, like. Animatronic. Animatronic, like he was looking around without blinking and then he just starts to speak <laughs> in a way not much different than this. And sometimes he would say jokes without changing his intonation or expression at all. It was beautiful. Right from the beginning, I was like, this man is a master. Strong comedic choice with 100% commitment that. Unwavering. Unwavering and immediately gripped me as cool. I mean, he hadn't done one trick, but he was kind of scary. He didn't he he was confident. He didn't there was no searching for acceptance and he just commanded the room. And that's cool, man. If you can walk and sit down and say hardly anything. Yeah. If the in the okay, here's the thing. In the broad definition of cool, I'm 100% in agreement. It's amazingly cool because it's amazingly awesome for all the reasons that you just stated. But in the traditional understanding of like, like if somebody was like, is he a cool guy? I'd be like, mm, let me explain some things about him. He's not normal, he's weird, but weird good, and weird good is cool. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, he was also a character. I, I didn't think that that was I, no, really him. No, nope. we talked to him after, after the seance, because he did our seance. And I think while he was still in character somewhat, I think he also was being, I think he's just. He was amping up himself, he's so a, it wasn't he's an invented. He's an eccentric dude in a very good way. I love everything about his act. He seems like a really cool guy. But the tradition, he's not like, if somebody said, is he, you know, you know what I'm getting at? He's, he's not the traditional understanding of cool. He's beyond cool. And I don't want, I feel like I'm diminishing him by calling him cool. Oh. Because he's beyond cool. Did he he did the feather on the nose trick with Lisa and Caroline, right? Yeah. Because I think this is one of the first tricks that stood out. He he brought the two of them. They're both from our group up, like facing each other at the tables, and then he was in the middle, and he got them to close their eyes, and then he took a feather, and he went and he touched Lisa's nose. And then he said, if I just touched your nose, raise your hand. And they, they both, both raised, raised their, their hand. hand. And then he, he kept doing it. He never and he we, never came close to touching Caroline here's the thing. anywhere with anything. I have to believe that the way this trick works is that he is at some point touching, touching both people in the same place. That's my guess. I could not see it and I knew to, knew to be looking for it because he Knows that's what you're going to yeah, be looking for. Yeah, he did it for. five times. So after the second time, you're 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 watching both people intently, but to see if he who he's touching. But let me I, let me tell him I, my perspective of, of this trick he did with you. So at one point he was like, 
he began he began looking around the room and I as he made eye contact with me and immediately passed by me. <laughs> then looked at the person next to me and pat and then he looks at Link and there's there's twinkle in his eyes. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to speak with this man. He's like, <laughs> You, sir. And at that point, I was in a daze. I think I was kind of looking down and at nothing. All you had to do, the, the basis of the trick is he takes a book and he begins flipping through the pages of the book and Link is supposed to say stop and then he's supposed to stop on the page that he's at and then the trick proceeds. Well, that took seven minutes with Link. <laughs> okay. Like, he, well, he started flipping the book and he was like, tell me when to stop. All you had to and do I'm like, was say stop. I said stop and he would be done with the book and they would laugh at no, me. No, 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 this is how and long it would be. He would be like, all you have to do is tell me when to stop. Then he would go and then you would say, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but you're trying to present it as if he wasn't doing that on purpose. <laughs> that that was just me being a numbskull. Uh, I mean, it was a little bit of both. He was doing it. He knew that he could he get you. He magically could get to the end of the book he before I said stop. He knew that he could get you. He, he, he could see. And then you were saying things like, I know what you're trying to do to me, <laughs> and and I like it. <laughs> Which, by the way, Olivia Wilde thought was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I was looking at Olivia Wilde the whole time, and uh, the whole time, huh? Most of the time, and uh, it, you know, I mean, it was, t- it was t- I was tastefully doing it. <laughs> like when he was working with you, I that, that was looking when, past. I had a, an excuse to look back, and she was just two people from you, so I looked at her yeah. <laughs> instead of looking at you, and she she loved you, man. You should have talked to her later. <laughs> Because she just got a big kick out of you. Well, I finally said stop while there were still pages turning and he stops and then he, he, it's like a novel looking book, like a creepy looking book and he, he starts walking towards me and I'm like, oh crap. And he's like, okay, I want you to remember the page number and the word in the upper left hand corner of the book underneath right the page Right underneath the number. page number. And you said. No, I, d- I did not say. I did not say it out loud. Oh, you didn't say it out loud? No, I didn't say it out loud because I wasn't gonna tell him you the remem- number. I you had remembered to, it. I had to remember it. And then he did some other tricks. He did something else. And then he gave, he gave me the book at that point. And he did some other tricks. And then he's like, okay, now back to you, sir. He's like, find the page that you remember from earlier. And I started flipping, I used my phone and the light on my phone in order to see because it was so dark in there. I'm like fumbling for my phone and then I'm fumbling to turn the pages and it, the page number was 223. It was like a 400 page book, man. It's not easy to find 223. It took me a long time and everybody thought it was really funny. 90 seconds. That <laughs> I couldn't, I mean, I, I couldn't don't know. find the page. You do know that the numbers are in order. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, you typically can zero in on it pretty he fast. He did a mind trick on me where I couldn't find the page. And then I'm like, I'm sorry this is taking so long. I think you're doing this to me or something. <laughs> I don't know what I said. And then I finally find 220, 221, 222. And I finally, I'm like, I found it. And then I look and the page is ripped out of the book. I'm like, it's not here. It's been ripped out of the book. And then he points to the wall and, and there's, there's a, a frame, frame, a frame picture that has page 223 ripped out and behind the frame. And he was like, read the word 
and Lisa goes up and reads 223. Dandy or something like shabby. that. Shabby. Shabby. The word was shabby. Shabby. Anyway. And it, and it, it was amazing. Again, magic tricks are not the type of thing that you describe on a podcast and then your mind is blown. <laughs> you kind of have to be there. Yeah, right. That but, was that was probably dumb of us. I think the thi- so but it was mind blowing. But in addition to that, the way he was able to manipulate me to be the butt of the joke and I had there was no escaping it. There was nothing I could do in order to not fall into his trap. No matter what I did, he would have had a way to make it funny. And everybody was, you know, and the more people laughed, the more I was like fumbling for the page and he he constructed a a brilliant comedy routine, and it was using cool. me as a subject. And it was cool. Now, okay, so Zabrecki is the pinnacle, right? Zabrecki's the pinnacle for us at he, least that he, night. I started to rethink everything. Now, let me just take a short aside, and I'm gonna. I found this forum uh, where the question was asked in 2007: Magicians' attire. What do you wear? And then, presumably, magicians began to answer what they wear. And so, in contrast to Zabrecki, so here's what I want, here, th- this is my premise, not all magicians are cool, no, 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 no. Just being a great magician does not make you cool. It's how you're a magician. Zabrecki, cool. Let me give you some examples of what I consider not cool. In their own words? So the question was, what do you wear when you go out and perform magic? Okay. Um. One guy says, I just wear my regular style of clothes, which in my case is the whole skater look. (laughs) Okay, okay, skater boy. Another guy says, I usually wear a regular white tee and jeans with a lot of pockets. Just picture that for a second. Yeah, Okay. that's great. Jeans with a lot of pockets. (laughs) Okay. Give me another one. Usually when I get the chance to go out and perform for friends, I'm wearing my everyday stuff, you know, boot cut jeans and an affliction shirt or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not making this up. (laughs) An affliction shirt or something. I wear a t-shirt, jeans, almost every time unless I go to a wedding or something like that, sunglasses, a watch, and my eagle ring every time. Eagle ring every time. It's, okay, this is not what I expected oh, oh, you to read. I, I'm not done. I thought you were gonna say like, I wear a bow tie and a tux no, no, no. and a top hat. These are guys who are trying so hard to be cool. To be cool, and is it working? I'm just talking about it. It's 11 years ago in a forum, and you're. can you sense the uncoolness? Let me continue. When performing professionally, I wear a nice button up shirt, jeans, and sometimes a fedora. Yes, of course. Sometimes. Once in a while I go all out and wear a gray vest and necktie over it. There we go. For everyday performances, I just wear baggy jeans and a (laughs) t-shirt. My, another guy, my (laughs) modus operandi. I I just feel horrible laughing at people, you know. No, I, listen, no, (laughs) this is important. My modus operandi is to go one step above who I'm performing for. For casual performances, I'm normally in jeans slash cargo pants and a tee with a short sleeve shirt on top. In the summer, shorts all the way. Can you imagine a magician in shorts? Well, that's two more sleeves to pull something out of. Doves are flying out of the thigh area now. Okay, guys, all right. 
What, yeah. n- what you said notwithstanding, I do agree. I'm not trying to make fun of people for the way they dress, even though that's what I just did. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, is that there is, look, I mean, there is no world in which cargo pants are cool. I mean, it's just, that's it. It, it, it's superficial, it's shallow, it doesn't ultimately matter. It's a privilege to just be able to make that observation. They're functional, they do have a lot of pockets, maybe you can put things like scarves and handkerchiefs and balls that you're gonna take out and blow people's minds. What Probably if, dubs. What if you pulled like really nonsensical memes out of them, your pockets? But let me tell you right now, Zabrecki, my friend, was not wearing anything like this. He was in this very cool, black suit with a simple white shirt. He had on black dress pants. He looked like a magician. And I'm saying he is but doing no it the right way. No, it wasn't cheesy. He didn't have a top hat on. Fedora, he didn't no have vest. weird glasses that are obviously for effect. He just looked like a person that would command your attention. And let me also say that our good friend and our connection to the whole Magic Castle, Mr. Joel Ward, totally different thing going on. He's not, he he doesn't look like he should be a butler for the Adams family. He just looks like a, a nice guy and he just had on a nice fitting. Friendly, unassuming guy. He, he just had a nice gray suit on with a uh, white shirt. Again, he didn't look like he was trying too hard and he didn't look like he was trying to not try hard. He didn't have shorts on, he wouldn't have gotten into the Magic Castle if he did. But I'm, you see what I'm saying? If he were, if he was putting on that suit on the drive to the Magic Castle to meet us, he probably would have had to zip and button it once he got out too. And, and Exhibit B. Because it fit. Exhibit B, there is actually a guy that Feldman found. Coolmagician.com. Are you serious? This guy has self-proclaimed that he is a it. cool magician. And I've just done a cursory look at his website, which is in Comic Sans font. There we go. And I know that he's not cool, okay? I just, listen, nothing against the guy, but I think my whole point is that magicians are cool, but not because they're trying to be cool, not because they're giving tips in forums on how to seem cool, because an Affliction t-shirt, hello, even in 20, 2007, wasn't cool, was never cool. Hold on, I've seen you in some of those shirts. I never had an Affliction shirt. You had you had knockoff Affliction button-ups. And it wasn't cool at the time. You had them too. You told me that when we did Online Nation in 2007 that I wore all that stuff and then we brought up the promo pictures and you had the same stuff on. It was a wardrobe person who thought it was cool. It wasn't cool. I thought it was cool. It wasn't cool. 2007, the same year. So it's not, we're not saying we're cool. Just because you know no, what's no, cool no. doesn't make you cool. I'm saying magicians are cool, but they're coo- they're beyond cool. The ones that aren't cool are the ones that are trying to be cool, saying that they're cool, and uh, departing from the tradition of just dressing like a magician. Just do it, just embrace it. Be weird, you're trying to deceive people, you're doing things that stretch the limits of people's imagination. Just embrace that and build off of that. Well, the thing that I tried to um, grow into as a human through that experience was to experience the artistry of it. I mean, there was the guy on the main stage who was very cheesy. It was like very Disney theme park. He like had the fake glasses and he had a, he acted like he was in an attic and he was creeping around. Did he, you sense desperation he in never, that? He never talked 
And it was as if the creepy attic was doing magic on him. So he was constantly, he, he had a mime quality, which, you know, is very problematic. And then he was, you know, he was producing things using a mirror. And, which and was, that that act in itself was cool. Like that, that trick, that trick, not the act. The I trick mean, was cool. His tricks were, all of his tricks worked. No trick that I saw attempted the entire night at the Magic Castle failed. Or, or e- even that I could think, oh I know how that was done. They all legitimately had skills. I knew how the shadow puppets were done. Yeah, there was a guy who did shadow puppets with his hand, but that was absolutely amazing. It wasn't actually magic. Hold on. That part. And did you sense, I didn't sense any desperation. Let me, here, let me, let me just say, I think the thing that's cool is when you don't sense the desperation that someone's really trying really hard. I just if, think if it's, it, re- if, it's really hard to do, man. It is, but isn't that what every magician should strive for? And I think they are. I just think it's that difficult because again, you you're not, be, you you're not declaring be- all magicians cool though, are you? No, I'm saying because all magicians can't be cool and because they, they, I agree that they don't need to be cool, I was actually just trying to appreciate the artistry associated with, not only can this guy do this really convincing magic trick to make his glasses disappear and then reappear on the other side of this mirror, but he put together an entire story, which was, without saying a word, I understood that this Disney character dude was in a creepy attic and magic was happening to him and he was getting freaked out. And then he became a millionaire because every time he would put money bags in front of a mirror, when he reached behind it, he would have double the money bags. And then he would put it in that hand and then he would do it again. And before you knew it, he had like 16 bags. Where did all those, where was he hiding all those bags? It's magic, man. That's a great trick. Great trick. But the theme was a bit kidsy. Yeah. But he did, create a world within which he told a story and that is is art. You know, it wasn't exactly for me, but I did appreciate how he went he went in for it. He went all in. I appreciated it. I'm just saying that if I'm critiquing it, which, I didn't cringe, which is what I am doing right now. And again, I don't have necessarily any right to do this. I'm just doing it. Um I'm just saying that it was the parts where it seemed like I could, I don't want to think, like when I'm watching a movie, I don't want to be taken out of the illusion that it's a story and start thinking about the filmmaking. So when there's badly written lines, when there's badly delivered lines, when there's badly shot shots, that takes you out of the moment because you can see the effort of filmmaking, right? Right. And the same thing applies to all artistry. The moment it especially looks like li- you're trying. Especially when it's live. When you're in a room with tw- 19 other people and the performer, I mean, you you really feel the tension if they're not commanding and if they're not if they're not confident. When you can see somebody imploding. Oh gosh. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I feel for these people. I'm just saying that as a as or a- oblivious. Oblivious to the fact that I'm no longer That it's not connecting. I, I yeah, that it's not connecting. I mean, and that's why I draw the comparison to a stand-up comic, which, you know, but both of these take a tremendous amount of guts and skill and artistry. And I think it's, it's, 
it's it's unfortunate that we're viewing this through the lens of is it cool or not? I but I think we're what using we're exposing. Cool as a, I, I get it's again. I think we've I've established unless people aren't listening. I this is not a superficial eva- analysis of of magicians. This is just thinking about it through the lens of what people traditionally think is cool and then maybe redefining that. I, I'm just making the point that saying magician is like saying stand-up comedian, but there's so many different types of stand-up comics, so many different styles, and there's so many different styles of magicians that it's unfair to 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 critique them in, under that such a broad heading, you know? The challenge with both is to create an act that connects and that is skilled to make you, you know, with a stand-up comic, to to assume a character, and that may be the most authentic version of you. It may be a totally fabricated version of a character, but it needs to connect with flesh and blood in a physical space. And, you know, I've never had the guts to try either one. Honestly, because it's extremely difficult. And I think magic is so much harder because I think the starting point of stand-up comics is this like edgy coolness. And then, you know, you can lose that, but you get some cool points for even being on that stage all along with just a microphone. Yeah. But but when you bring props or then you start and then you move further in the Venn diagram to just Bring in a, a top hat with a rabbit in it, so to speak. Um, or a dove. You've really got your work cut out for you. Yeah. So it's a you know, it, we enjoyed every minute of every single presentation, but some of it we enjoyed for different reasons than they intended. And if I was only basing my enjoyment on what I considered cool in the traditional sense, I wouldn't have had a good time. So what I'm saying is. If you're getting if you're if you're getting into magic because you want to be cool, it's a huge uphill battle. Forget like, about it. Don't make that your goal. Don't seek to be uh, viewed in a, in a in a in a traditionally like esteemed way to to do magic. Do magic to blow people's freaking minds, and then don't try too hard to look like you're fitting in, especially, I don't know what the equivalent of an affliction shirt is right now, and I really don't know what an eagle ring is. I have reason to believe that the eagle ring's probably cool, even still. Yeah. Whatever the the equivalent of an affliction shirt is right now, don't wear that when you do magic, because you look like you're trying too hard. Just dress in an unassuming way, let your magic speak for itself, because to get back to the question, are magicians actually cool? Yes, they can be. <laughs> but not in the way that you're thinking. I think it's much more about check, it, it's checking yourself as an audience member beforehand, you know, uh, we had the night of our lives because we made up our minds that we were gonna accept it all for what it was and find beauty and entertainment in all of it, C- cool or not. And we saw we, we ran the gamut 
if you're so concerned about being cool, then you're, missing you, the you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna miss out. If you want to be cool, you can't even say start a band anymore because starting a band is not cool anymore. Unfortunately, like having a jam band and playing the guitar, now that's not cool. If you want to be cool, you got to be a freaking DJ, right? You got to get like turntables. <laughs> that's probably too old now. Yeah, I don't even. I don't, I don't even know, know what's cool anymore. I don't try to keep up with it. I'm just saying that there are certain paths to it, and uh, don't worry about. Just do magic, man. So, I think what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell Locke. You know, it's been it's been six or seven years, and I'm going to have to be like, son, you want to go to that magic shop <laughs> and get a trick? Now, don't do it to be cool because it's not, but it could be fun. Check out Zabrecki. <laughs> I'm gonna give a shout out to him, man. Check it, check it. I, he, has I, a, he has a Twitter. I'm a little afraid to say watch videos on YouTube. I don't know if they exist, but I just don't think that's how, you can watch people react to magic on YouTube, but I don't think you're supposed to watch magic on YouTube. It's just the, you be in the room with the guy, get mesmerized, it's great. He's got he's got a Twitter. Go follow him there. Rob Zabrecki. I mean, look at that link. Look at his freaking Twitter icon. He looks like uh, he's an astronaut. He's an astronaut. Rob Zabrecki. Zabrecki. Z a b r e c k y. Thanks, thanks cool. Zabrecki for giving us a great night, man. It's fabulous. We'll Keep be back. It up. We'll be back if you're there. We'll be back anyway. I'll be back anyway, man. I love it. Get dressed up. And thank you to Joel Ward. Um, he blew our minds that night. Oh yeah. With some magic that we couldn't even begin to figure out. He was dressed perfectly <laughs> for what he was doing. <laughs> and uh, he's an incredible magician. Uh, so shout out to Joel as well. Let us know what you think, hashtag Ear Biscuits, and hey, you got a friend of yours who's into magic or hates magic? For both those reasons, share this episode. We appreciate when you get the Ear Biscuits out there for other people to listen to. Draw them into the fold and take their wallets. No, is that what, magicians don't do that, those are pickpockets. Yeah, but I'm sure they, some magicians are pickpockets and some pickpockets are magicians. Slide of hand type situation? Yeah. All right, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll speak at you again next week. <laughs>